Broadcasting live from the KVXL studios at Liberty Baptist Church in Las Vegas. Freedom is never more than one generation away from extinction. The Frittle Show with Crystal Heath. I've said that we must be cautious in claiming God is on our side. I think the real question we must answer is, are we on his side? Faith, family, freedom. For me, it's very simple. I think we've got to we've got to get the country back on the right track with the most inspiring agenda a voice in the desert now here's crystal heath and hello las vegas and all peoples listening everywhere around the world i was going to say the galaxy but if you're listening in a galaxy far far away while that sounds cool it's also a little bit scary to think about you're listening to kvxl 101.1 fm experience liberty radio in las vegas coming to you live from liberty baptist church today uh, we're located on rainbow and lake mead boulevard if you have questions suggestions comments thoughts concerns anything else you'd like to share with us you can email radio at experienceliberty.com or call us at 702-647-4522 and of course if you'd like to tweet me you could find me on twitter at the Friddle. We're going to be giving away. I'm sorry I didn't give any away yesterday. I uh, ran out of time in the show, but uh, all this week we are going to be giving away uh, gift certificates to family Christian stores. Today we're going to be giving away $20 to family Christians. Stay tuned at the bottom of the hour to figure out, well, not to figure out, to learn how. To learn how you can win 20 bucks to family Christian stores uh, today. So yesterday I was able to go downtown with our with our summer missionary group. My sisters are here, and we went downtown and met up with summer missionaries there. And there's a couple things. I don't know if if you know some of what you can do downtown uh, as a local for free and possibly even get paid for. But just FYI, the whole parking scenario, it's true. They are officially charging for parking at MGM Hotels downtown now unless you're a local then it was actually it was kind of very cool when you went in as a local you just scan the back of your driver's license and then it lets you in for free and there's a there's a a very clear notice that you will only be able to utilize that feature through the end of the year now i think it would be very kind of mgm if they would extend that feature for perpetuity because after all we're locals and there's got to be some benefit to being local right but then when we went to leave, I didn't even have to scan my driver's license. No, it read my license plate somehow. I, I don't know how it worked. But like as soon as I pulled up the thing, it was like, thank you, have a nice day. Gate opens. I'm like, wow. And it didn't work for the people behind me in the other vehicle. So I'm thinking it must be a must be a license plate thing. But so just FYI, that is that is true. Did you know that there's now a pyology in MGM as well? It's in the underground, so you got to go down in the tunnel that heads back to the parking garage, but there's a pyology in there. I was kind of excited. And did you further know that if you go to, uh, what is it, CBS's uh, Television City, I think is what it is, back towards uh, the pool at MGM, it's, it's kind of hard to get to. No, not really hard to get to if you know where you're going, but just want to follow the signs of the pool if you want to go back there. But if you go back to Television City, they're always looking for people to take surveys and uh, screen new TV shows, new trailers, sometimes commercials, uh, to see uh, if people will like them or not. I've been down there a couple times now. They always give you coupons if you agree to do this. It takes about an hour to an hour and a half, depending on your group. But... Um, 
they give you a buy one get one free pizza at Pyology there in the MGM. You get like subway coupons, you get percent off coupons. And uh, yesterday, they were doing a thing where if you were in the 18 to 24 age group, it was just a 20 minute survey, a uh, super simple one, and you got 20 bucks for just showing up and doing the 20 minute survey. 20 bucks. I thought that's pretty good. That is pretty good. And then of course there's the there's the M and M show. Um, yes, when you try to do the the family friendly uh, tour of the strip, <laughs> the M and M show is always included. Of course, as a Venetian, and then the volcano. I'd never actually been over to the volcano at the Mirage. That was pretty cool. I was like, I wasn't expecting a whole lot. I, maybe that sounds terrible, but I was just like, okay, I don't know what's gonna happen here, but all right. It was actually it was pretty neat. But they only do that one uh, twice a night, I think, at 8 and 9 p.m. throughout the summer. Um, and then my sister passed out. That was fun, too. Um, yes, and a stranger <laughs> gave us his leftover ice. I still don't want to even know any more about that than I do. So anyhow, uh, just some, just a fun fact for you. If you're a local and you're ever down on the strip and you want some, you want to buy one, get one in Pyology or Subway or... If you have someone between the ages of 18 and 24, maybe you are between the ages of 18 and 24, it's an easy way to get 20 bucks for 20 minutes of your time at Television City in the MGM. Fun fact, you're welcome. Tip of the day. You can also just listen to the radio station and win $20 to Family Christian Stores today, which is what we're going to be giving away in a little while. So stay tuned for that. Uh, terrible, terrible, horrific news out of out of France today. This is from the Daily Mail. An elderly priest, age 86, was beheaded by two ISIS knifemen shouting Allahu Akbar after they took nuns and worshippers hostage at a French church. Oh, man. A, a priest has been beheaded by two ISIS knifemen who cut his throat after bursting into a French church uh, and taking nuns and worshippers hostage before being shot dead by police. Five people, including the 86-year-old priest, two nuns, and two parishioners, were hailed, held by assailants who raided the church in Saint-Étienne-du-Rave near Rouen in Normandy during morning mass at 9 a.m. The clergyman, clergyman, named as Jacques Hamel, is believed to have been beheaded during the attack while another hostage, believed to be a nun, is fighting for her life in a hospital. The two attackers were neutralized by marksmen as they emerged from the building, which is now being searched for explosives. French President François Hollande said France is at war with ISIS while the terror group has claimed responsibility for the killing. There were reports the, re the attackers shouted Allahu Akbar as they ran out of the church, while at least one of the men was dressed in Islamic clothing. It comes as it emerged that the building was one of a number of Catholic churches on a terror hit list found on a suspected ISIS extremist last April. There are also reports that one of the attackers was a local resident who was under electronic tag surveillance, having been jailed in France for trying to travel to Syria in 2015. His bail terms allowed him to be unsupervised between 8.30 a.m. and 12.30 p.m., and the attack happened between 9 and 11. Maybe maybe if we know they're terrorists, they should never be allowed to be unsupervised. I'm not saying that would have prevented anything here. That ISIS probably would have just found someone else to, to carry out their evil. But if we know about threats, and that's, that's what kills me in all of these... Not all of these, but the majority of these stories, it almost always involves someone that we know was potentially going to snap or had terroristic inclinations. It's just horrible. 
So please pray for the family of this of this priest and this nun, especially who's fighting for her life in Normandy, France, right now, and for France as a whole. Pray for the French. Pray, pray for the French president. Pray for the French people. I, I can't imagine. Imagine if if a pastor was beheaded inside his church here in the United States. That's so terrible. That's just it. I can't even comprehend the evil there. So the Democratic National Convention is underway in Philadelphia. Uh, we're going to talk about this uh, our Outset Magazine panel with uh, Stephen Perkins and Katie Moyers back on the show today at the bottom of the hour to talk more about this. But we're going to start uh, with email gate today. Uh, and I'm not talking about Hillary's um, many missing server wiped clean emails. I don't know what it is, but Democrats just seem to be having a really bad year with the emails. You know, maybe maybe if you're a Democrat, you should, like, I don't know, be careful with your emails. Just a thought. But uh, at the DNC, it, WikiLeaks over the weekend, or it might have been Friday late afternoon. I don't remember. I just know it was after our, our show last week. Um, WikiLeaks... Um, leaked. I was like, how do you say this? WikiLeaks leaked the Democratic National Committee's emails. Thousands of these things. Town Hall has a piece. DNC chairwoman calls Sanders aide scummy in leaked email. If you had any doubts the Democratic National Committee was biased in the 2016 primary process, the leaked emails may quash them. In a newly discovered correspondence between DNC chairwoman Debbie Wasserman Schultz and her staff, one of the 20,000 emails leaked by WikiLeaks earlier on Friday, she calls Bernie Sanders aide Jeff Weaver some nasty names. She called him a a blank liar, particularly scummy that he barely acknowledges the violent and threatening behavior that occurred. This heated exchange occurred after the disastrous Nevada Democratic Convention in May, where Sanders supporters booed speakers off stage and demanded a recount after Hillary Clinton gained delegates they believe she didn't deserve. Some of his supporters also reportedly threw chairs at the convention and sent death threats to the Nevada State Democratic Party chairwoman Roberta Lange. This behavior is, of course, reprehensible, yet the DNC is supposed to remain neutral in the process. Schultz has been accused of overseeing a rigged system that unfairly prevented Sanders from having any chance at the Democratic nomination. Her decisions throughout the primary, such as a limited debate schedule, seemed intended to guarantee Hillary Clinton would be the par- become the party's nominee. But it gets worse. Let me find, where's that other article I had pulled up here? Hang on a second. Oh, my computer is being grumpy. Okay, also from Town Hall, on their convention's eve, Democrats um, bedeviled anew by email. On the heels of a tumultuous Republican convention, Hillary Clinton arrived in Philadelphia eager to show off a forward-looking Democratic Party united behind her steady leadership. To do that, she must overcome lingering bitterness among supporters of defeated rival Bernie Sanders and clean up a resurgent political mess of the party's own making. By the way, Debbie Wasserman Schultz then resigned. And her resignation, because of the email scandal, made for a rocky start to the convention on Sunday as the Florida congresswoman heeded Sanders' long-standing call to leave as party chief. Um, The party now needs new leadership that will open the doors of the party and welcome in working people and young people, Sanders said. Wasserman Schultz's abrupt departure was undoubtedly an effort to keep the Democrats gathering from devolving into the tumult that marked uh, the GOP meeting. 
And as he demanded Wasserman Schultz's resignation, Sanders made clear he wants to see Clinton in the White House. I'm going to do everything I can to defeat him, to elect Hillary Clinton, and to keep focusing, keep focusing on the real issues facing the American people. Which, by the way, when he said that at the convention, he was enthusiastically booed. Never one to miss an opportunity to poke at his rivals, Trump appeared to relish the Democratic chaos on Sunday, writing on Twitter, the Dems convention is cracking up. His campaign chief, Paul Manafort, went further and called on Clinton to drop out of the race altogether. But it gets worse. There were also racist emails in the DNC WikiLeaks dump. This is from uh, Hannity.com. One email addressed to DNC Finance Chief of Staff Scott Comer pokes fun at the name of an African-American executive assistant for the apparel company Hada Brands named Laquina Gibson. Laquina is a name in all caps, the email reads. I'm sorry, boo. I hope you get a raise with this title. Wow. Another, At least one other email from Chief Financial Officer Brad Marshall sought to make an issue out of Bernie Sanders' religion. He said it may make no difference, but for Kentucky and West Virginia, can we get someone to ask him his belief? Does he believe in a God? He had skated on saying he has a Jewish heritage. I think I read that he's an atheist. This could make several points difference with my peeps. My Southern Baptist peeps would draw a big difference between a Jew and an atheist. The DNC's chief executive officer, Amy Dacey, responded to that email with all caps, AMEN. That's unreal. And there's people protesting at the DNC is is far surpassing the number of protesters that protested at the RNC. But what's ironic is that the majority of protesters at the Republican National Convention were those opposed uh, to to the GOP in general, whereas those protesting at the DNC in Philadelphia are mostly seeming to be disgruntled Bernie Sanders supporters and disgruntled Democrats. Debbie Wasserman Schultz was then booed off of stage yesterday when she went to speak to Florida's convention. Al Gore is skipping the convention altogether and refusing to endorse Hillary Clinton. He's one of eight Tennessee superdelegates and the only one who has not publicly backed a candidate. The Democrats have also released their superdelegates so that they might have a battle on the convention floor. I mean, the whole thing is just going crazy in Philadelphia. And people are commenting that while we have seen Soviet flags and Palestinian flags, there are no visible United States flags at the Democratic National Convention. Inside the convention hall. Inside the convention hall. No U.S. flags. I don't understand that. But anyway, so the convention is being completely overshadowed by uh, the WikiLeak and Debbie Wasserman Schultz's resignation. It's amazing what shedding light on the inner backroom workings of a political organization can do, isn't it? But here's my question for you today. Well, one of them. I may have a few today. Is what WikiLeaks did right? I mean, everyone is talking about what's in the emails, but I haven't seen many stories about if it's actually ethical. I mean, what do you think? Should the DNC's emails all be made public all the time? Should we comb through them? And if so, should also then all the RNC's emails be made public? Should all of your emails be made public? I think that's worth a thought today. 
And along those lines, here's a good reminder from Proverbs, one of my favorite books in the Bible. No, it's not from Proverbs. I'm sorry. It's from Matthew. Jesus said it. He said, there's nothing covered that shall not be revealed and hid that shall not be known. I mean, look, the Bible says what's heard in secret is going to be shouted from the housetops. If your life was broadcast for all the world, what would they see? If your emails were the next ones that showed up from WikiLeaks, what would we see? It's kind of a sobering thought, huh? All right, along these same lines, President Obama's half-brother says he is voting for Donald Trump. This one, not going to lie, this one surprised me. The New York Post. Why Obama's half-brother says he'll be voting for Donald Trump. President Obama's Kenyan half-brother wants to make America great again, so he's voting for Donald Trump. I like Donald Trump because he speaks from the heart, Malik Obama told the Post from his home in the rural village of Kogilo. Make America great again is a great slogan. I would like to meet him. Obama, 58, a longtime Democrat, said his deep disappointment in his brother Barack's administration has led him to recently switch allegiance to the party of Lincoln. The last straw, he said, came earlier this month when FBI Director James Comey recommended not prosecuting Democratic presidential candidate Hillary Clinton over her use of a private email server while Secretary of State. She should have known better as the custodian of classified information, said Obama. He's also annoyed that Clinton and President Obama killed Libyan leader Muammar Gaddafi, whom he called one of his best friends. Wow. Um, Malik Obama dedicated his 2012 biography of his late father to Gaddafi and others who were making this world a better place. I still feel that getting rid of Gaddafi didn't make things any better in Libya, he said. My brother and the Secretary of State disappointed me in that regard. But what bothers him even more is the Democratic Party's support of same-sex marriage. I feel like a Republican now because they don't stand for same-sex marriage, and that appeals to me, he said. Obama believes strongly in the institution of marriage, so strongly that he has at least three current wives, although press reports have put the number as high as 12. When asked by the Post how many wives and children he has, Obama demurred. That's personal, he said. Obama made headlines in 2011 when he married his third wife, who was still in her teens. Obama plans to trek back to the U.S. to vote for Trump in November. He used to live in Maryland, where he worked for many years as an accountant and is registered to vote there, public records show. The president and Malik's father, Barack Obama Sr., left Kenya in 1959 when Malik was a year old and his mother was pregnant with his sister, Uma. Obama Sr. enrolled at the University of Hawaii, where he met and married the president's mother, Stanley Ann Dunham. Malik Obama didn't meet his younger half-brother until 1985. President Obama, 54, has seven half-siblings from both sides of his family. Malik Obama, the eldest, is the director of the Barack H. Obama Foundation, a controversial Virginia charity named for his father. He says he started the charity in 2008 because he wanted to make a difference in the family's hard-scrabble village in Kenya. But the charity came under fire when the Post revealed in 2011 that it was an off-the-books operation that hadn't registered with the state of Virginia or, as it claimed, had tax-exempt status from the IRS. Shortly after the Post reported, the IRS gave its stamp of approval, leading to speculation that the president had intervened. <laughs> you think? But Malik Obama bristles at the suggestion, saying he dug deep to pay for the electrical transformers and college scholarships that the foundation provided in Coligo. According to its latest tax filing, the nonprofit has just $24,000 in its coffers. My brother didn't help me at all, said Obama. He wanted me to shut it down when I set it up. He hasn't supported me at all. Lately... 
Family ties seem to be frayed. Obama, who was best man at the president's wedding, said he spoke to his brother a year ago and was miffed that he did nothing to help his own foray into politics when he ran for governor of the southwestern Kenyan country of Saia in 2013. I don't think politics is my thing, Malik Obama said. Honestly, I'll be happy when my brother is out of office and I will finally be out of the limelight and be able to live like a human being. But until then, Malik Obama wears his new GOP colors proudly. He even has a Make America Great Again hat. And now, you know, I would say the rest of the story, except I'm thinking you probably didn't even know the beginning of it. So now you know the story. Period. Just the story. Now you know it. Today's programming is brought to you by Krispy Kreme Donuts Fundraising Opportunities. Krispy Kreme Donuts fundraisers are available year-round and can take place one to yeah, they can take place over one to two days or one to two weeks. If your educational, religious community, or charitable cause is looking for a fun way to meet your financial goals, Krispy Kreme can help. Krispy Kreme provides free fundraising materials for your use, and you can visit KrispyKreme.com/fundraising or your local Krispy Kreme to learn more. Our thanks to Krispy Kreme for their support of KVXL programming. Don't go away. We're going to come back in just a few minutes with Stephen Perkins and Katie Moyer from Outset Magazine. We'll talk a little bit more about the Democratic Convention, what's happening there. This is, let's see, we're going to play Chris Tomlin with Greater. We'll be back in just a minute. Don't go away. And welcome back. Let me get my microphone back down here. I just pushed it out of the way and then I was gone. Anyway, you are listening to 101.1 FM. This is The Fertile Show on KVXL Radio. We're trying to find Mr. Stephen Perkins. Maybe he slept through his alarm. Who knows? But Katie Moyer from Outset Magazine is here. Katie, how are you doing? I'm doing really great. How are you? I'm doing well also. And you're actually in Philadelphia this week. Is that right? Yes, I am from Pennsylvania, so I've been making the trek downtown uh, unsuccessfully last night, but um, I am about half an hour away from all the protesters right now, and I'll be on the ground all day. Yeah, and you were at the GOP convention last week, so I think you have a you have a good perspective and a good uh, ability to compare the two. I've, I've been hearing that there's a lot more protesters this week at the DNC than there were last week at the RNC. Is that true? Definitely. I think there are more protesters in the first day than possibly at all the days combined at the Republican National Convention. And are these protesters, are they, do they seem to be like disgruntled Bernie Sanders supporters or who, who is protesting? Yeah. yeah, a lot of the people that are out protesting are people who were very passionate about the Bernie Sanders revolution. Um, they're angry about the DNC leaked email. And they're unsatisfied with uh, Hillary Clinton as their nominee. Wow. And see, I, I think what's different there is that if you look at the people that were protesting at the RNC, I don't think that it was disgruntled like Ted Cruz or Scott Walker supporters that were protesting at the GOP convention. No, I absolutely agree. A couple people who were out. Um... Oh, oh. Hey there. Hey, Stephen. Kind of. Oh. <laughs> All right. You know what? Uh, Stephen just tried to call in, and for some reason I'm not being able to merge you guys. So let me um, let me hang up on you real quick here, Katie, and we'll 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 try no this problem. again. All right. Hang no on, problem. everyone. We'll be back in just a second. We're uh, we're fixing our we're fixing our phone line issue. Bear with us. Here's um creation moments while while we fix the phone line. We'll be back in just a second. And welcome back. Thank you for bearing with us there. I had a little um, 
a little incident with our with our phone line. It 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 didn't want to let Stephen and Katie both be here at the same time, but we have conquered the technology because we are the master. <laughs> Stephen, welcome. Thanks for joining us. For having me. Good to be here. Okay. For a second there, I was like, oh, no, we lost him again. <laughs> okay. Good. Good. Um, all right, Katie, I'm sorry. We interrupted. You were talking about uh, we were at um, how the protesters at the GOP were very different than the protesters that you've been seeing at the DNC. So I'm going to let you finish that thought. I did see some uh, Ted Cruz protesters at the RNC, but they were honestly very uh, docile in comparison to the Bernie protesters that we've been seeing at the DNC. So definitely a different energy among the protesters, a lot more volume, a lot more people. And I think that, uh, I mean, yesterday it was extremely hot in Philadelphia, so... It cooled off. We had lots of uh, showers, and then uh, I, I think that we're going to see even bigger crowds today. What I really just want to know, though, is if you've had a Philly cheesesteak yet. I'm a bad Pennsylvanian. I don't like Philly cheesesteaks. You <laughs> no, don't like Philly cheesesteaks. Do you like Utz pretzels? Oh, my gosh, yeah. I eat them all the time. So okay. That's, that's where I make up for it. What about <laughs> shoe fly pie? Of course. Okay. All right. Then yeah. <laughs> you, you get to keep like three quarters of your Pennsylvania card. Um, but really, oh, thank the, you. <laughs> but don't have you been to like you have to go. Uh, this is going to sound terrible, but you have to get like downtown, downtown. Like you need to go in the places where you shouldn't go by yourself and go to a corner store. And that's <laughs> where you get a cheesesteak because those are the good ones. Everybody's like Pat's or Gino's. Pat's or G-. no, no. Neither one of these are <laughs> real good Philly cheesesteaks. You have to go to the places that you don't want to walk alone and get a cheesesteak there. That's the good ones. Anyway, that's a pro tip for any of you that may be listening that are Democrats in Philly. Don't go to, I mean, you can go to Pat's or Gino's, but it's really just a tourist trap. Those aren't the good cheesesteaks. Anyhow. All right, Stephen, Katie, before you arrived, had mentioned uh, what the protesters at the DNC are protesting. A lot of uh, Sanders supporters, a lot of people protesting now with the the WikiLeaks emails and just protesting Hillary in general. I want to ask you about the the emails. I mean, how how um, how how much of an effect does this have? I'm looking for a word and I can't think of it. But basically, what I want to ask you is is how much of an effect does this have because i still can't think of the word so how much of an effect do these email leaks have well i'll tell you this i, I have a friend uh, in the arizona democratic party he's been a, a lifelong almost a lifelong member i mean he's not that old but he's been uh, involved his adult life he's he's campaigned for different candidates he's campaigned on the national level he's he's done with the democratic party now because of these emails. And I think a lot of people are feeling the same way, especially if you're a Bernie supporter. And you see that from the very beginning, there was a choreographed effort to prop Hillary as the one. And and there was always this conspiracy, if you will, that Hillary was the chosen one and that that she was going to be helped by the the Democratic Party. But now this has been confirmed. Um, and, And it is significant because it is it now means that their chairwoman is gone. They have a new chair, um, and that's significant because um, they were making fun of the Republican Party for the chaos that happened last week. Well, this is this convention is not off to a great start either. 
Um, no. and, and now, of course, there's the bump in the pulse that Trump got, um, not surprisingly, but, you know, he got it after the convention, and that's kind of making it a little more competitive. So I think the Democrats are they're in damage control mode. That is the scariest mode to be in when you're only months away from an election. And so this convention, I think that their whole theme of unity, as was the GOP's theme, um, is going to be very tough, especially when you have some of the emails talking about Taco Bowl outreach. Um, you have them talking about um, the LGBT finance director called said if someone was a good gay, they would like this. And it's just it's not what you would expect from the Democratic Party because they built themselves as kind of this uh, party that's above reproach. And, and we're learning that that's not necessarily the case. Yeah, it's, it's interesting that we've had uh, in the primaries, we've seen that people on both sides, whether they're Republicans or Democrats, just seem to be fed up with their parties, and that seems to be translating over into into both conventions. And I would say, at least with the start, it appears that the Democrats are, are having a worse time unifying, which I wouldn't have expected because they're usually very good at rallying around the banner. Um, Katie, have you seen? Do people seem like they're accepting the resignation of Debbie Wasserman Schultz? Is that satisfying anyone, or is it just kind of a yeah, okay, we don't really care because? we have all this other proof that all of you think this way. Yeah, I think um, it's a good move for them to fire Debbie Wasserman Schultz, but I think that it's really not going to do much. I mean, it's apparent that it was rigged. You know, they have the the proof that it was rigged, and that's absurd, and that's exactly what candidates like Bernie Sanders and Donald Trump are fighting against. So although I think it's a great a great move, a smart move. It's also ironic that immediately Hillary Clinton then brought her on a special co-chair of her campaign, I think just solidifying the behind-the-scenes work that they have been doing together, that as soon as she gets busted uh, with her job at the DNC, they just bring her on the Hillary campaign. So um, it's an interesting move. (laughs) Yeah. And Interestingly, the uh, the DNC actually released their superdelegates, which have been controversial. But I I'm, I can't remember from the headline if that's only for future elections or if it actually affects this convention. Stephen, do you know the answer to that? I do not think it uh, affects this convention. I could be wrong, but I, I believe I remember reading that that's going to be a future reform. So basically, moving forward, the Democratic uh, primary will function more like the Republicans, where it's it was very confusing this past year. And honestly, if there weren't superdelegates in play this time, we, it's very possible we would be looking at a Bernie Sanders candidacy. Um, but so moving forward, they won't have those those very mysterious, no one really knows where they come from or who they are, except that's not true, but it just sounds fun to say. Um, okay, how about, uh, Katie, one more question for you, and then we'll go back over to Stephen. Tim Kaine, is he getting any kind of good reception, or people, they don't really care because of everything else that's happening right now? I have actually heard many people saying that they feel, like, stabbed in the back by the Tim Kaine really? vice presidential pick because he has such ties to Wall Street. Um, Interesting. A lot of, yeah, I mean, this is a great place where the Hillary camp could have um, extended an olive branch to the Bernie supporters by sure. uh, bringing on somebody who, I mean, I think that Tim Kaine, I've heard a couple people say that Tim Kaine was the worst pick for the progressive wing of the Democrat Party. And I just really feel that they're not even uh, being acknowledged um, 
which I disagree with a little bit. I know that there are some things on the platform um, that Bernie was talking about last night during his speech, but a lot of people on the ground are just feeling not heard and uh, pushed aside. Hmm. Yeah, I, I think that's 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 an interesting perspective. Whereas I think that Trump, although I don't think Mike Pence does a whole lot to help him, I think that was at least a shot at unifying the party by picking someone uh, with a pretty consistently conservative record. Whereas with Hillary, um, yeah, I, there's no unifying going on by picking Tim Kaine. Stephen, what are your thoughts on Tim Kaine? And in particular, his interesting stance on abortion. So Tim Kaine is, uh, my Democrat friends tell me he was not the first choice, Um, but but he is someone who I would equate to Mike Pence. He's not the most exciting, but I think he's a fairly grounded um, VP choice that that, that will do somewhat good. Again, vice presidential candidates I don't think matter that much, Um, but in this context it's interesting because Tim Kaine does kind of have that progressive backbone. Um, he does offset Hillary quite nice, and, and also he doesn't steal her spotlight, um, and there's balance on the ticket. Uh, I think better choices would have been like Cory Booker or mm-hmm. Elizabeth Warren, as much as that scares me. But, uh, but nonetheless, I think he was an interesting choice um, and, and will do fairly well for her um, in some of those states that are maybe leaning. It, it'll secure those. Yeah, no, I agree with you 100%. And I'm sorry we got a little bit later start this morning, so I'm going to have to let you guys go because I'm about to give away money, actually gift certificates. So actually, I'll give give you guys a chance to win. How's that? I've never done this before. We'll give guests a chance to win. So I have $20 to Family Christian Stores or FamilyChristian.com. You only get one guess. Stephen, we'll start with you. Do you know, (laughs) does the Eiffel Tower expand or shrink during the summer and how many inches which direction oh boy uh, so, um i i would say that it expands and i'm gonna go with a solid one inch okay well that's an interesting guess katie do you have a thought <laughs> um i'm gonna say it expands and i'm gonna say it expands five centimeters Okay. Well, for those of you listening, both Stephen and Katie are incorrect in their answer. So there is still an opportunity for you to win. If you have a guest, you can go to kvxl101.com or KVXL Radio on Facebook or Twitter. Send us your answer. And if you're correct, you'll win our $20 to familychristian.com for the day. Thanks, guys. I appreciate you being here. Maybe we'll uh, Maybe we'll have you back later this week to wrap up the convention if you'd like to do that with us as well. Absolutely. Thank you. All right. Awesome. Thanks, guys. And again, if you're listening right now, this is your chance to win uh, the $20 to Family Christian Stores and FamilyChristian.com. If you know the answer to this question, in the summer heat, the iron in the Eiffel Tower does what? Does it expand or does it shrink? And how many uh, inches, centimeters, whatever unit of measurement you prefer, does it grow or shrink in that direction $20 today let us know on KVXL radio on Facebook or Twitter if you have a guess and that's your that's your chance to win so some sad news uh, today is um, this is from Christianity Today 
Tim LaHaye, the author of Left Behind, has passed away. Tim LaHaye, the best-selling author, best known for the Left Behind series, graduated to heaven uh, yesterday, I think it was yesterday morning, is today the 26th? Yes, yesterday morning uh, at the age of 90. His family announced the news of his passing at a San Diego hospital on his ministry's Facebook page. On the eve of his death, ministry partners, fans, and friends urgently asked for prayer on social media this weekend, offering a wave of early tributes that spread through end times prophecy circles and chapters of Concerned Women for America uh, to... Uh, to personal individuals on Facebook. Some circulated a statement by LaHaye's daughter, Linda. He will not recover from this. He will soon be graduated to heaven. Tim was one of the most godly men I have ever known, said David Jeremiah, LaHaye's successor at the San Diego church he led for 25 years, then named Scott Memorial Baptist Church, now named Shadow Mountain Community Church. Almost every conversation I had with him ended up with his praying with me and for me. He wrote me extended letters of appreciation for what God has done in our church. Uh, We shared long lunches together talking about ministry and praying for our nation. When I look back over his life, I am reminded of Paul's words concerning King David. He served his own generation by the will of God, stated Jeremiah, senior pastors of Shadow Mountain and founder of Turning Point. Tim's ministry will continue for many years through the books he wrote, the organizations he founded, and the people that he influenced. But I will miss him when I look out from my pulpit next Sunday. Whose life hasn't been affected in some way by this man? Oh, okay, see, this is just not right. I'm trying to communicate with someone while I'm on the radio, and it's not working because I'm not being able to read and comprehend. I'm sorry. We'll go back to Mr. Lay. I I love the Left Behind books. I don't know about you guys, but I grew up, Left Behind books came out when I was either in early or late high school, and I remember waiting every time a new one came out and then you'd have to wait I don't remember how long it was it seemed like a year between each book in the Left Behind series really well written books I don't agree with necessarily everything in them and obviously we don't know exactly how things are going to go down uh, at the end of the world because you know it actually hasn't happened yet despite what other people might be telling you the world is still you know happening it's not over just yet so don't give up on it yet but you know the movies you cannot base Tim LaHaye's Left Behind Legacy on the movies, whether it's Kirk Cameron's version or the version before that or Nicolas Cage, no. The books are where it's at if you want to be a Left Behind fan. But when I was in high school, that was like the thing. I was waiting for the next Left Behind book. I was honestly a little disappointed by the last one, but I won't tell you why in case you've never read them and then you get to read them. But I don't think that anyone really can write about heaven in a way that leaves you satisfied in a novel anyway because I just don't think we can capture heaven but anyway uh, thrilled as I am that he is where he always wanted to be his departure leaves a void in my soul I don't expect to fill until I see him again stated Jerry B. Jenkins who co-wrote the Left Behind books with LaHaye in the obituary released by the LaHaye family the founder and president of Tim LaHaye Ministries and founder of the Pre-Trib Research Center, LaHaye sold 62 million copies of the series with Jenkins. I'm proud to say I was the purchaser of eight of those copies. In terms of its impact on Christianity, it's probably greater than that of any other book in modern times outside the Bible, said the late Jerry Falwell, a friend of LaHaye's, in 2005. So our prayers are with the LaHaye family today as Christianity mourns a great uh, leader 
and we're going to go out. We're done. We're done. I have no time left. Would you like to hear How Beautiful or 10,000 Reasons? Which would I like to hear? Because I have to listen to. Let's go 10,000 Reasons. This is David Wesley. We'll be back tomorrow. We're going to give away more money to family Christian stores all week long. And actually, it's their, uh, their what do they call this? It's some sort of summer sale. They have a special name for it. It's written on one of my papers, which I'm looking at right now. Yeah, it's just called the Summer Sale. There you go. It's the buy one, get one, 50% off Summer Sale, and we're giving away $20 today, probably $20 again tomorrow. You can use it at familychristian.com, or there's a Family Christian store actually right around the corner from our church. So if you head over to visit us or our Pokey Stop, you can also hit up Family Christian stores, whether or not you win our $20 gift certificates, but we'd love to give it to you. If you know the answer to this question, we had somebody guess that it shrinks by five inches. That is incorrect. The question is... The Eiffel Tower in the summer heat, the iron in the Eiffel Tower, does it expand or contract? And does that make the Eiffel Tower grow or shrink? And to what, how, like how many inches, centimeters, whatever else? No, it's also not two inches, Pastor Matt. But thank you for guessing. You're getting closer, though. You're headed in the right direction. So that's a clue for those of you listening. This is 10,000 Reasons from David Wesley. Have a great day, everyone. We'll see you back here tomorrow at 7 a.m. Oh. And don't forget, we are on SoundCloud and iTunes, soundcloud.com slash The Fertile Show, and just search The Fertile Show on iTunes. Church is at 9.30 and 11.15 on Sunday morning. I think Pastor Matt is actually speaking on Sunday morning. Don't let that deter you, though. In fact, it should be an encouragement to come. And if you follow our pastor on Facebook, you might actually start seeing some pictures from the Ark in Kentucky today. Not the real Ark. Noah built the real ark. There's a song about it, but I'm not going to sing it for you. But Pastor, I think, is going to be broadcasting possibly live on Facebook today from the ark. (laughs) No, it's also not a quarter inch or a half inch. Now you're headed the wrong direction. It's still 20 bucks. Family Christian stores, you can let me know all day at KVXL Radio on Facebook or Twitter. 10,000 Reasons from David Wesley. Have a great day, everyone.